0: Hello and welcome to the Interfish Podcast, where we bring you the week's most interesting and compelling seafood news. I'm Drew Cherry, Editor-in-Chief, and I am joined today by Executive Editor John Fiorillo, correspondent John Evans. Let's dive right into a couple of the hottest topics that have been on our minds uh, that we're uh, excited to talk about today. First off, let's talk about Young's Seafood. Uh, Now, Young's Seafood, for those that are not uh, Brits, Um, is the largest supplier of seafood in the UK. It's an iconic brand. Um, If you you grew up in other parts of Europe, it might be like Findus or Igloo. Uh, If you grew up in in the United States, it would be Gortons and Vandicamps, but a lot more than that because Young's does a a wide variety of of products, um, uh, including uh, frozen, but also some some, uh, chilled items as well. So anyway, um, Young's, a few years ago, in the midst of trying to uh, sell uh, the company, um, looking for uh, a couple of wins, a couple of ways to highlight um, the, 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 the company's ability to grow, they launched products into the U.S. market. It was an unusual move. It was um, much heralded. Um, again, maybe for obvious reasons, they were looking for, um, for proof that they had uh, beyond just a, a UK reach. Um, so so the, the products went into the market, uh, they partnered with uh, a Pennsylvania-based group called The Fishing Company, which is in, in many ways kind of a funnel directly into the, the Walmart and Sam's Club uh, system. So the products were, uh, were, were carried, there was social media around it, there was a lot of excitement, they attended the Boston Seafood Show to uh, show off their wares. Now, John Fiorillo and our colleague Dominic Welling um, checked in and saw how the products are doing, and John, tell us how they were doing and what you found out.
1: Sure. Uh, well, we checked in largely because we saw on their Facebook page, uh, Young's USA set up this Facebook page when they launched in 2018 into the market. We were seeing posts like, I can't find the product anymore. Where's the product? What happened to the product? So that got us curious and we started to uh, dive in. And lo and behold, um We got it confirmed uh, that Walmart is no longer carrying it, and Walmart's significant not only for the 3,900 stores in which it was uh, initially carrying it, but because that was the backbone of this, um, this effort to expand overseas, first in the U.S., and plan's later called for expansion into china and elsewhere so losing walmart was you know uh, the losing a limb so to speak it, it was it was pretty much uh, a crushing blow now it is still in some retail outlets as far as we can tell um from their websites because they list it as a product on their websites but um you know, nothing to the level of what Walmart distribution would have been. So, so yeah, so it appears they're out. They don't want to talk about it, Young's, that is. Uh, fish and & Co, and neither. Uh, they don't want to talk about it either. So, um, yeah, that's kind of where we are. You know, uh, their their strategy, according to research they did, was that the U.S. frozen fish finger, you know, breaded uh, fish uh, category was was ready for something new, some innovation besides anything that Gortons tossed out because Gortons is the giant in the U.S. in that category. And they thought they could bring a British feel, kind of ooh, the British fish and chips thing to it. And they also, and this is kind of important, um, they also – were uh, touting a better product in the sense that it had more fish to breading ratio. So um, that was, uh, you know, a selling point in their eyes as well.
0: So, okay. So cracking into uh, a very, I wouldn't say crowded, but like you said, uh, John, uh, Gorton's the uh, frozen uh, frozen giant here and Vandy Camps, which is, also large um it's not easy and it's it's never been um it's never been historically easy for anybody to launch into the frozen seafood category in the united states for a lot of different reasons um but but what's your take on uh on on why they they didn't uh, they didn't make this uh, make this happen
1: you know it's hard to tell um without being able to get some insight from gortons i mean we we spoke to a lot of people mostly um background that had some familiarity with it but um it it is perplexing because you would think they launched in 2018 covid hit in early 2020 and frozen seafood sales went through the roof but i think Um, so you think they would have been able to make it, but I think, uh, things had already decelerated, uh, before that. If you look at their, if you look at their, um, social media traffic, for example, on that website I mentioned, uh, earlier, it was strong in 18, strong in 19, really started to start to taper off in 20 and they've done three posts, um in uh 2021 and these posts are like recipes and other kind of uh consumer driven um you know social media posts so um why why it didn't make it or why it's making it at such a um level that they didn't anticipate i don't know i mean there's been turnover obviously uh, at young's there's been turnover at the fishing co i don't know if that has anything to do with it um you know i don't know about that argument that it was some sort of uh, ploy if you will to kind of just dress the company up for sale i don't i don't know how much that plays into it if at all so you know it, it's 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 really hard to tell hmm.
0: So, um, John Evans, uh, just moving over to you because you said in, on, uh, uh, the Alaska Seafood Marketing Institute, all hands, uh, meeting and interesting enough, uh, John and Dominic's story came up, um, uh, in a, in a question to Dan Ahern, he's the CEO of New England Seafood International, which is a UK company actually owned by an Alaska native corporation. Um, what did Dan have to say? I mean, he, he, he addressed it fairly directly about why Young's uh, may, have, may have failed.
2: Yeah, he said it was um, a lesson really in the complexities of understanding the uh, nuances of overseas consumers and that you really, if you're going to operate in a foreign market, you can't just send the product out and hope. You, know, you really have to be fully in or not not in there at all. Um, I and mean, he pointed to the you know the long heritage uh, of Young's of products understood by British consumers, uh, and he said he was, surpri- he was surprised in the first place to see the company uh, target the United States uh, with the, the brand, and he, and he wasn't really certain uh, who the brand was speaking to in the, in the U.S. consumer base, and uh, you know if, if the uh, you know if the backing was there to uh, to support it to to make it to help make it be. Uh, understood um as you, i think as you mentioned uh Jung's, you know before they uh, um embarked on this they touted consumer research showing the u.s consumers were ready for new products but um you know in the end um as john alluded to also you know uh said that Perhaps Safina's strength in the North American market may have been behind the decision to pull back from the, from the U.S. market with, with Young's. Um, you know, he suspects that uh, under Safina ownership, the, the capabilities that Young's has in value-adding uh, may be used in a different way by uh, Safina. Um, or it may be uh, different executions of a similar offer. Um, so we'll have to see how that uh, plays out, really.
0: Now, one thing we haven't discussed is if there's any lingering resentment over 1776. If that has anything to do with this, <laughs> I don't know.
1: Of course that's that's the bottom line that right there
0: could be americans you know know how to hold a grudge i guess um but but it's um it's very interesting because i think that brands in general um they, they just it's always been difficult for the seafood industry to brand in the uk there's so many private labels uh so many of those those uh retailers do such a good job with their private labels and it's so core and um, consumers are really used to it. Um, John Evans, you wrote a story not too long ago about brands on sort of how, how to make brands work and what, um, what's really needed. And, and part of that too uh, in your piece that I found really interesting was there seems to be a general lack of understanding about what even a brand is, correct?
2: Yeah, this came up a couple of months ago in September when uh, we looked at um, Multi-Export's decision to change the uh, company name to Multi-X. And um, one of, the, one of the, the branding experts I spoke to said to me, "The first thing you have to understand is what a brand is, and what you know who it's aimed at, uh, et cetera, et cetera." Um, you know, the, the companies tend to, on, on occasion, get mixed messages and uh, it should, you know it, the brand name should not only re- resonate with the audience but um, be something that the company leadership can get behind and uh, believe in for, for example um, you know a company bringing a new leadership team might want to say that was the oldest and put that behind them drawing a line in the sand um, and, and you can even you know point the way to um, changing um, internal communication so uh, you know brands have many sort of um uh, uh, roles to play and um, you know, brand equity the, the which is the positive consumer perception of a company's brand name or product can take years to build up so uh, in the case of uh, Young's, uh, maybe they didn't have enough time or as we alluded to earlier, financial um, effort put behind it.
0: Yeah, and I, I think yeah, I'm thinking about what uh, Dana Hearn said too, that brands exist in the hearts and minds of consumers, which I think is I think is an interesting way to put it. Um, you know, I think sometimes that's the case, um, but it's a shame because I do think that um, the U.S. industry and just the frozen seafood category in general um, really lacks innovation. And in a period like this, where people have been reintroduced to frozen uh, to frozen seafood, um, people are willing to try uh, cooking, uh, frozen fish more. Um, it's too bad. It would seem like there's more opportunities, um, you know, than, than, uh, than there have been in the past. And maybe this, uh, you know, there's been a little bit of, of dew off the rose on, uh, on, uh, on at retail. Um, so it, it could be now that we're going to see a, a more of a return to normal, but, um, yeah, but we'll see. But an interesting adventure for for Youngs. They're certainly not the the only one. Uh, saucy Fish, um, which is increasingly seeming like something that uh, the new Sea Chill owners. It's a group called Hilton Seafood uh, in the UK. Um, saucy Fish, for those of you that uh, remember it, was um, really uh, really well received. It was uh, it was kind of um, you know, it kind of had a, a sort of a, an appeal to maybe younger consumers. It was exciting packaging and kind of new flavors, um, but it, it appears that it's really fallen by the wayside. They also attempted to enter into the U.S. market um, and and made a a, a few um, a, a few good steps, but then uh, completely pulled out and. Uh, in 2019, just because they couldn't, again, couldn't really get it to to take in the way that they wanted to, uh, and then and then also Nomad Foods has uh, has sent over the Findus brand as well as the Igloo brand as well into the U.S. market. So there does seem to be some awareness that there is an opportunity there, um, and and yeah, it'd be great to see U.S. consumers have a little bit more uh, a little bit more choice. So
2: maybe there there will be more of that um, in the future.
0: You know, brand
2: owners often forget, especially in the international context, that even if their brand is very famous and loved in one market, you know, for example, a product like Marmite in Britain, a, a, a yeast spread, uh, this, this, it doesn't automatically apply to other markets. And if a brand doesn't tick the boxes of what makes a brand successful, all kinds of things uh, can trip it up and, and, and the companies is uh, launching it.
1: Yeah, and I, I'm thinking too about you know seafood branding has always been tough. But let's go to the canned tuna aisle just for a second because probably the three most famous seafood brands are in that aisle: Bumblebee, Chicken of Sea, Starkist. Um, the, you know, they kind of go back and forth for who's number one. The sales in that category. Tend to be price driven, so even those companies that have been around for decades have, I would argue, have not built that much brand loyalty amongst consumers. And in fact, you see more private label on 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 those shelves now too. And every week there's a price promotion. One week it's StarKiss, one week it's you know so building brand loyalty in seafood has has always been difficult and it doesn't appear that it's getting any easier at all to me
0: um all right so let's uh let's move away from branding and start talking about uh a topic we began talking about last week but sometimes topics just stay hot and uh alternative seafood is one of those So, yes, it it seems like it's reared its uh, ugly head again. um, The discussion and debate over how plant-based and cell-cultured or cell-based seafood should all be labeled. Um, And it's been really interesting to hear the different viewpoints on this. Um, And I I think my thinking on it has evolved a little bit as I've, I've heard more of both sides. Um, so I'm curious to talk to you about this, John. You uh, you um, kind of got things going a little bit this time around um, with a commentary that you you uh, produced, and we discussed that last week. But things continued on. We got a uh, a guest commentary from John Connolly of the National Fisheries Institute, who we had um, had uh, had cited from from uh, a presentation he had given. Um so what now? A lot of people a lot of people jumped into the discussion, the debate. A lot of people were on LinkedIn uh discussing it uh and and uh and, and yeah, what's your takeaway for what the future might look like for labeling of these uh alternative seafoods?
1: Well, certainly the passions are are running high. John's uh column, guest column that we published got a rebuttal column from uh, from David Bensequin, who at one time was the co-founder of Ocean Hugger. And you'll remember that company was kind of one of the first ones to market with a um, salmon um, plant-based salmon sushi um, product. They were at the Boston Seafood Show once, and I, I think He's not there any longer, as far as I know, and the company has gone through some changes. But he bounced back with a a pretty um, stern rebuttal uh, to John, and it, like you said, it just took off uh, in social media. So, I mean, I, I don't really know. As I said in my column a few weeks back. Plant-based seafood uh, alternative seafood sales of of uh, plant-based products are twelve million dollars a year right now. Regular, you know, traditional seafood sales in the U.S. are a hundred billion. I just see that as such a massive gap that the this this kind of you know worry about labeling seems a little off point to me, but.
0: I was going to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, speaking of butt, I'm going to butt in. I, uh, I was more on that side of the equation. And I think, um, you know, a couple of years ago, you were, um, you, you really kind of uh, pioneered the coverage on this and were one of the first to dive into it. And I remember our discussions and me kind of rolling my eyes at you a little bit um, and saying, really, is this really going to be a thing? And you were right. It, it was a thing. Um, but at the time, I kind of said, you know, the industry is really trying to blame its own lack of innovation on um, on this kind of boogeyman of, of plant-based seafood. And to a certain extent, I can still kind of see, and that was what a lot of the comments were about uh, about this topic was, well, the seafood industry just doesn't want to innovate. Um, maybe there's some some truth to that. However... One thing that did kind of, and and I'd heard these statistics before, but I think that um, Connolly put it in an interesting way of, you know, wanting to begin this discussion now before 2030, when it becomes, you know, a real real issue. And I think that is, uh, I think that's relevant. I kind of saw you know, in my mind, I thought, OK, well, on a longer timeline and given the slow pace of bureaucracy and getting labeling laws and things through um, the uh, government institutions. Um, yeah, that, that maybe it does make sense to to put a little more attention on it. I don't know that there's particular urgency now. Um, and, and I'll ask you um, that, John, because it was interesting. There's been some earnings that have come out um recently of companies that own plant-based uh brands and it hasn't been all rosy.
1: Yeah, uh first uh, first off, uh you know, John John Connolly gets paid to think down the road 5, 10 years. So hats off to him for doing so in this case cuz he he's trying to look out and protect the industry uh which he represents. So I I totally understand where he's coming from uh, at, at, on that point. Um, and, you know, if you look at some of the labels, as we did in that one column, you know, I mean, they can fool consumers, I suppose. I I, I would think it'd be obvious, you know, but um, it, it isn't obvious to everybody. So, um, you know, the, they'll continue to pursue that. But... To go back to my earlier point on the size of this this sector, um, the, you were referencing uh, some companies in their earnings. Uh, Beyond Meat, for example, uh, their price, um, their stock price sank seventeen percent yesterday because Wall Street started to raise alarms about the company's growth growth prospects. Um, they're they're the sector leader. I mean, they are the big kahuna. So, if they're starting to struggle, I I think sales were off. All the all the metrics were off. Um and it hasn't just been this quarter. It was the quarter before and kind of even before that. In addition, Maple Leaf Foods, which is a massive protein producer, you know, meat, chicken, da da da. They came out uh in in one of their quarterly statements uh, earlier this month and said they're reassessing their investments in in uh plant-based proteins so you know is this the start of um trouble for this this sector and if the big guys like the meat guys who have been extraordinarily successful getting their product into the mainstream if they're not going to be able to make it certainly the seafood guys who are, you know, a drop in the bucket, uh, aren't going to be able to do it in my opinion. But, you know, again, John gets paid to look out for his members. And if he thinks this is an issue, um, you know, I, who am I to argue with him?
0: Yeah. It's, it's hard to know if there is any, obviously there's some sales slowdown that's in black and white, but, I still don't see this category as running out of steam by any stretch of the imagination. If anything, there, there's going to be more innovation. There'll be consolidation and, and things like that. But you do see major companies, when they start jumping in, they can bring a lot of muscle. Uh, when a Tyson or a Nestle gets into it, which they have... Um, they have the muscle and they have the strength to get their products listed in in these major retailers, which is what it needs. You know, these products need exposure; they need uh, marketing, yeah, and, but, and there needs to be awareness. So,
1: but these products are everywhere I shop, and Maple Leaf is no tiny company. It's four, five, six billion. I don't, I can't remember, but so I, I think that's already happening. And two other points I would make is when you look at NFIs. Strategy and what it's doing with the cell cultured uh, seafood sector, which is emerging. And if you don't know what that is, you basically take a fish cell and grow it into, say, a portion or a fillet or some piece of seafood in a lab instead of in in the ocean, right? So, and that is seafood. That's not plants. That's not that is legit seafood. Okay, so what uh n f i has done with that sector is meet with them, build a kind of a round table, and they are working on labeling guidelines for when this product really emerges. It's only now starting to kind of hit the market um, well, it's not even really in the market, but it's coming so um, so yeah, so, yeah, and the, my other point is there are some big seafood companies already partnering with, uh, plant-based and cell cultured companies, Bumblebee, uh, Rich Products, which owns Rich CPAC, um, Nomad, uh, uh but probably some others I can't think of at the moment. Um, so it's a little curious to me why... NFI is is being so proactive with the cell culture guys, but yet is in what really looks like a, an escalating battle with the with the plant-based guys.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. you know, and, and I, I think that uh, that'll it'll be something that we'll cover more just because we'll have to cover it more as the industry evolves. But uh, the cell cultured, cell based uh, sector, that is going to change things, I believe, dramatically, um, and it will probably happen quicker than we than we think. Um, plant based is it's been around a long time. Plant based foods and plant based seafood has been around a long, long time. It's just been sold to kind of niche audiences. It's more to me about you know the the trend towards plant based eating and the um, you know uh, what. The awareness of carbon footprints, uh, the awareness of uh, you know sustainability, and in our our relationship to the resources, uh, the planet, and that's why probably plant based is not going anywhere. But I think it's got a lot to sort out for sure. And I agree, the labeling is one where there's some of those that you mentioned in your column, John, and showed the packaging of it where. It just seems, uh, it, it does seem designed to confuse. Um, and, uh, and I know that NFI has brought up this, this um, example of milk over and over and over, um, which is getting, you know, a little tiresome to, 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 to hear about. But then you look at the numbers and you kind of realize why they keep bringing it up. Um, and it's become so mainstream, you don't think about it. You, you go to the store and there's your almond milk, there's your coconut milk, there's your soy milk. You just don't think about it. It's just right there. And they ended up taking a significant portion of that category. Different situation, but at the same time, um, if you're in an in industry and, and as you said, if you're a trade association um, you, you need to be aware of these things and thinking about them.
1: Yeah. Well, as a milk lover, and I mean, dairy milk, not the, (laughs) not, not the fake milk. Um, I I've watched that carefully and I don't have the statistics, but I do recall that the milk consumption was already in decline in a pretty steep way before the emergence of these, um, you know, uh, milk uh, lookalikes or whatever you want to call. Um so I don't know that it's completely um you know influenced by the emergence of them, but I y they definitely have taken a bite. I wanna go back on one last thing because you mentioned you know the these concerns about terrestrial animals and fish and their impact on the climate um you know raising them and the impact on the climate. I don't think plant-based foods have really uh been scrutinized uh fully as far as their impact. I mean these grow right they're beans and lentils and all those things they grow they take water they take uh they have a carbon footprint da 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 da. Additionally, and John brings this up, John Conley brings this up, often uh, the nutrition profile of these products uh, hasn't really been fully explored either, um, at least in a lot of people's opinion, because they are extremely processed foods. And, you know, as I said before, any dietician will tell you, stay out of the center of the grocery store and just shop the fresh around the edges. But, so, you know anything process has to get either salt or sugar or both jammed into it and and you know a lot a lot of that isn't good for diets of of many Americans or many people around the world so um there there's probably some reckoning coming in those two areas uh for plant based in particular so we'll we'll see we'll see
0: well it's going to be fascinating to follow i i wouldn't have guessed a few years ago that this would be, uh, an issue that would be so important to the industry or, or that, that, that it would grow the way that it has, but it certainly is. Um, and I, you know, the, the, the thing about these types of disruptive, um, products, uh, in any industry is they tend to, uh, result in change. They tend to force established companies to try something new, and so you are seeing, as you mentioned at the at the top of the podcast, John, you're you're seeing companies uh, either embracing it by launching their own lines, uh, partnering. Um, so that's one way to go about it. Another way to go about it, and I, I think this is this is a key lesson that can be learned, is. It, it, the seafood industry should take a look at how these products are marketing themselves um, for for a couple of reasons. For one, the marketing is oftentimes based around the seafood industry's problems and enhancing and discussing those more, highlighting those more. Um, and, and that uh, is a danger because those messages tend to eventually, um, they're already out there. Things like overfishing, for example, or, um, you know, negative, uh, information on aquaculture. So they're just sort of expounding on those and hammering those over and over to get, uh, to, 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 bring people into their, uh, category and talking about carbon footprint and all these other things. Um, which as you just said, May or may not actually play in favor of plant-based, but um, but the other thing to be aware of, I think, is just how they're marketing uh, the products to um, to consumers. Full stop. Which is they're using social media a lot. This is targeting millennials and younger. Um, the packaging is is different and fun and um and the story that they're trying to tell is really tied into um tied into what consumers care about this actually goes back to to young's uh tanking in the US market for example is and and what Hearn said about the hearts and minds is if you really do want to reach a new set of consumers you really need to think about how how uh how successful brands uh, are doing that. Now these small plant-based brands are, are not successful yet. However, uh, they're moving very, very quickly and getting a lot of attention, uh, uh very quickly because of the marketing techniques they're using, um, because of how they they have a mastery of social media. Um, and just, just the, the feeling that you get about these brands is so, it's so clear where they're positioned and so clear, what the consumer can expect and that's really why I think seafood brands have have uh, have struggled
1: well let me let me just add just a couple things to that nothing absolutely nothing pisses me off more than when those products use um, perceived shortcomings in the seafood sector to promote their products I, I it just it really ticks me off. I believe if your product's so good, you shouldn't have to, you know, um, denigrate uh, a competitor's product to sell yours. So that aspect of their marketing, I, I can't disagree with more. It, it's horrible to me. And what they do is what the NGOs used to do when they wanted to, you know, get to the industry. They take a fact or not even a fact they take a a statistic and twist it and make it look worse than it is overfishing is a great example um so you know they're they're using those tactics and those to me that's just that's just lousy that's just cowardly you know if you if your fish uh plant-based fish nuggets are so good then you know, let's talk about that. The other thing is, you know, when it does come to um, the environment, uh, almond milk's a great example. Do you know how wasteful growing almonds is? It, I mean, it, the water consumption alone is is astronomical. But that gets a pass, right? So far, it kind of gets a pass, but you're starting to see that change a little bit. You're seeing more in the mainstream press about. You know, that very issue, as a matter of fact, I saw something the other day, but so, yeah, there's just, uh, there's so many interesting angles to this. And, you know, obviously, like you said, we'll be covering it, um, you know, for probably years to come, I imagine. (laughs)
0: <laughs> We're gonna have to get a, a reporter specifically on the plant-based beef. For now, <laughs> it's kinda you. I mean, it's 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 been coming on your plate more than anybody else's. So I mean it it's it's gonna really be interesting and uh and it may not all be be bad. You pointed out to to dairy. Um one thing about plant-based is it, it can be kind of a of a uh, a beef killer in a way too. I think that's the sector that's gonna suffer the most from this. Um and I know you're a milk lover, but uh, to me, I think rightly so. We we need to to think about um, reduction in in red meat consumption. But um,
1: although, do note, my dear friend, that meat consumption is at record levels in the United States right now. Just throwing that out there. Just oh,
0: just letting that go. Oh man! All right. Well, I hate to end it on on you scoring a point, but. Uh, but we must. Now, we have a lot of great stories coming up uh, this week, so please keep your eye on the site. Remember that you can find us at IntraFish.com. You can also click on the menu and subscribe to any number of newsletters, the America's newsletter, the European newsletter, aquaculture, salmon, editor's picks. There's so many different ways that you can keep up with, uh, with the seafood news that's important to you. Uh, and also, we've got some exciting news coming up. Can't quite talk about it just yet, but we have a new product launch. Uh, keep your eyes on uh, the uh, Apple and Google Play stores, and uh, it's, uh, it's going to be out soon. Maybe it is already out. Maybe you want to just go and take a search. Uh, if you do, uh, let us know what you think. And uh, yeah, we're really excited about rolling this one out. All right. Thanks, folks. We'll talk to you next time.